of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. everyone, and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be here discussing relevant topics and issues, um, and hopefully this is edifying to you and helps you in some way. Um, and let me start off by giving you a plan of what I'm going to be doing for the remainder of the year for the podcast. Uh, at some point in April, I'm thinking a few weeks away, um, it will be my last podcast for the year, okay? And we will get back in August or September. Typically, what I do is I break during the summer for various reasons. Uh, life just gets a little busy. Busy. Plus, it is just nice to have a break every now and then. So, um, I really want what I say to help people. And even if there are only five, ten listeners, I, hopefully it helps people, Um and my goal is never to tear down. Last week, I talked about Rachel Hollis and reviewed her work. And my goal, even in that, was not to tear anyone down or to hate Rachel Hollis. I want people just to be informed. Uh, and I encourage you, read Rachel Hollis. But make your own decisions. Don't just listen to what other people say. Um, so today is perhaps a more polarizing topic, even so, than Rachel Hollis. Um I'm going to be talking about today the false gospel of MLK, Dr. Martin Luther King, the false gospel that he preached, that he taught, and you will see why, hopefully. I considered presenting this material around MLK Day in January, but I chose instead to wait because I did not want to overshadow to my listeners the great social justice work of Dr. King. He accomplished quite a bit. Uh, great things for our world and our country, but put that aside for a minute. And I want to focus on the gospel that he preached, citing specific examples and even questioning his own personal salvation. Okay. Uh, now you can't see someone's heart, obviously. So I don't know where his heart was, but what I know is what he said, what and what he wrote specifically. So my issues with MLK surround his opposition to central tenets of the Christian faith, as is the case with many other solid Christian uh, Christian theologians and pastors who are familiar with his work. This is nothing new. Okay, what I'm going to say uh, has been a criticism of his for a long time, even before I was born, honestly. I openly admit that I am not a scholar of the work of Dr. King, nor have I exclusively examined his work, but I have read enough and heard enough of his work and teachings to understand that he taught a false gospel, which is, in fact, the antithesis of the gospel of Jesus Christ, apart from his stances on social justice issues particularly the wrongness of racism. So again, put the social justice things aside. I want to suggest, and I'm going to suggest, that MLK was wrong on the gospel in four chief areas, okay? And so listen closely, listen to this entire thing before you make some judgments here. The four chief areas in which he was wrong are the authority of Scripture, the deity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the virgin birth, and even the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so um, 
it's not wrong to question someone's salvation insofar as he or she gives little evidence of a genuine Christian faith in their teachings and their expressions of core and fundamental Christian doctrines and the tenets of the faith. But, you know, someone might believe that it's wrong to do so because Jesus says in Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged. But in, in calling a person out for judgment, uh, that, that's one of the most misused scriptures in the world, Matthew 7, 1, where Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. People misuse that scripture all the time. But in calling someone out for judgment, uh, judgment is really being made right then and there. <laughs> so judgments are not strictly forbidden, but they should be done in light of your own shortcomings. So this is a proper judgment of Dr. King, I think. And so hopefully... You will hear what I have to say and why I believe that he erred in his views on these essential and orthodox doctrines. So my intention here is not to defame Dr. King, but really to criticize the false gospel he preached. Okay, critiques are good. Uh, Criticisms are right and they're necessary for believers to grow And really, they should be employed in love and respect for the purpose of edification. So that's my purpose here. I want this to help. So I'm going to offer a critique, and I'm going to offer reasons why I think MLK was wrong on the gospel that he taught, with the hope that Christians will know and understand his message compared to the message of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, a lot of people don't know what MLK taught. They just know, yeah, he did a lot of social justice good. Um, he gave a famous speech. That's all they know about it. Um, he pastored a church. He professed to be a Christian, very intelligent man. But as people discover the false gospel MLK preached next to what Jesus Christ preached, there becomes clear and abundant contrast. It is resounding the contrast of what Dr. King preached and what Jesus Christ taught. So let's get into it. The first area where I think, I think everything else kind of stems from this, but the first area where Dr. King was wrong was on the authority of scripture. He diverts from Orthodox Christian doctrine with his view of Scripture's authority. Uh, now, he, he plagiarized about a quarter of his Boston University PhD dissertation, but his work was still seen to contribute to his field. I don't have too much of an issue with that. Uh, besides that, he's passed away, so nothing you can do about it. It certainly has. Dr. King's work has contributed to his field and to our society But as far as his theology, I believe it's contributed negatively. So the church, since her early days, has affirmed the authority of Scripture. Now, I'm not going to get into this, but the canon of Scripture has gone through uh, centuries of um, turmoil, let's say that, and it still exists in its quality today. Um, You might be... Uh, It might benefit you to look at the history of how the Bible came to be. Uh, Honestly, it makes me more of a believer, not less. But there have been debates over the centuries as to which texts should be canonized. For example, the book of James almost did not make it in the Bible we have now. 
But the Bible we have now, I think, represents the toil of that process, and about 20 centuries later, this is the completion of the canon of Scripture. Dr. King blatantly denies the authority of the Bible. One of his scholarly papers entitled, What Experiences of Christians Living in the Early Christian Century Led to the Christian Doctrines of the Divine Sonship of Jesus, the Virgin Birth, and the Bodily Resurrection. Yes, that is a title of his paper. Let me read that again so you get the, the idea. Here's the title of the paper. What experiences of Christians living in the early Christian century led to the Christian doctrines of the divine sonship of Jesus, the virgin birth, and the bodily resurrection? This title alone suggests that uh, experiences dictate essential Christian doctrines rather than the Bible itself. King says this in the paper. But if we delve into the deeper meaning of these doctrines and somehow strip them of their literal interpretation, we will find that they are based on a profound foundation. Although we may be able to argue with all degrees of logic that these doctrines are historically and philosophically untenable, yet we can never undermine the foundation on which they are based. The word untenable there means cannot be held, defended, or maintained. That was his belief in the Bible. Now, this paper was not the only instance in when he suggested stuff like that, but that this is very telling. In another paper called Sources of Fundamentalism and Liberalism, uh, the Garden of Eden is presented as a myth. King even says that doctrines such as a supernatural plan of salvation, the Trinity, the substitutionary theory of atonement, and the second coming of Christ are all quite prominent in fundamental thinking as he scorns those who ascribe to these doctrines. In other words, King is very critical of those who ascribe to these doctrines. Keep in mind, he pastored a church, okay? The Apostle Paul says this, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, there are those who might say, yeah, but Paul was not talking about that. He was talking about the Old Testament, about the Torah. Uh, I would caution you against that kind of thinking. Uh, there is significant evidence that um, newer writings in the early church, including um, the first and second century, by the first and second century, that the uh, New Testament and gospel writings were being included in the canon of Scripture already. So in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That is Matthew five seventeen through 19. Jesus himself even says this, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. That is John 10. Now we'll get into some 
something about John here in a little bit, but these passages, among others, speak to the authority of the Bible, which is the Word of God. The Bible is derived from Jesus. In other words, Jesus is not derived from the Bible. But if one claims to be a Christian but denies the authority of Scripture, what purpose are they accomplishing? Why do they even claim to be a Christian? The church for centuries has ascribed to the the authority of the Bible in unequivocal terms. Martin Luther King did not do this, which I believe led to certain blatant heresies in his teaching. So let's get in to some of those heresies, um, which, again, I think stem from his denial of the authority of Scripture. One of the first ones, one of the first heresies that he taught, and yes, I am referring to it as a heresy because that is exactly what it is. This is the deity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Um, he placed his faith, really it seemed, in human ability and intellect, which Scripture is clear does not save so stemming from his denial of Scripture's authenticity and authority, there are three undermining heresies. And we're going to get into that. Uh, but that is first the denial of Jesus Christ and his deity as the Son of God, and then the virgin birth and the resurrection. So let's talk about uh, the sonship of Jesus. In the paper that I mentioned earlier, um, What Experiences of Christian Living, uh, Dr. King says this, The first doctrine of our discussion which deals with the divine sonship of Jesus went through the great process of development. How then did did this doctrine of divine sonship come into being? I need not elaborate on the fact that the Greeks were very philosophical-minded people. Through philosophical thinking, the Greeks came to the point of subordinating, distrusting, and even minimizing anything physical. And so, in order to receive inspiration from Jesus, the Greeks had to apotheosize him. The church had found God in Jesus. Okay, now listen to this. This is important. The church had found God in Jesus, and so it called Jesus Christ And so it called Jesus the Christ, and later, under the influence of Greek thought forms, the only begotten Son. In other words, King is saying that this came from thoughts and ideas related to the culture of that time. This was not because of a firm belief in who Jesus truly is, the Son of God. It came from external circumstances. On the sonship of Jesus, uh, King says this, The external evidence for the authenticity of this doctrine is found wanting. That blew my mind when I read that. The evidence for the authenticity of Jesus' sonship is found wanting. The Gospel of John is replete with Jesus' own references to his deity and status as the Son of God. Let me give you some examples. John 4.10, John John 5.19, John 5.26, the list goes on. The Gospel of John, among other places in the New Testament, points to Jesus as the Son of God. And these are passages where Jesus either explicitly states or alludes to his sonship status as the second person of the Godhead. 
Dr. King, in his paper, The Humanity and Divinity of Jesus, suggests that deity is not part of Christ's inherent nature, but it was granted to him later. He says this, it was his felling of absolute dependence on God that made him divine. (laughs) In other words, he was not divine. His divinity came from him obeying. That's why he is divine. So, King, it might seem that, well, he's not denying the divinity of Jesus, but he is because Jesus is divine by nature, not by anything he did or was, he was not granted divinity later. But this is the problem with considering Jesus both fully God and fully man. What I mean by that is fully infers a quantity, but Jesus is both God and man by his nature. In other words, neither was bestowed upon him. He is sovereign. Now his humanity, yes, he became he was he became incarnate word and dwelt among us. But that was something he chose. He is both, it is more accurate to say that Jesus is both truly God and truly man, not fully God and fully man. In another paper, Dr. King says this, it is not at all surprising in the view of the wide and growing influence of these religions that when the disciples in Antioch and elsewhere preached a crucified and risen Jesus, they should be regarded as the heralds of another mystery religion, and that Jesus himself should not be taken for the divine Lord of the cult, of the cult through whose death and resurrection salvation was to be had. Okay, <laughs> he refers to the early church as a cult here. He essentially furthers his claim that Jesus' deity and status as God exists as a mere tale among Christians, uh, early Christians, a tale which was used to present another option, really, in a polytheistic society. But to disbelieve that Jesus is God and that he is the Son of God is to disbelieve Jesus himself and thus to discredit the fact that he is the only way. Early Christians really understood that Jesus is God and is, in fact, the Son of God. MLK, in making this, these statements, uh, goes against centuries of Orthodox Christianity, history, and the Bible, and even the words of Jesus himself. And so in this regard... Dr. King is stubbornly wrong on the gospel. He is also wrong about the virgin birth. This is a protruding error in his theology. It's his denial of the virgin birth. In recent years, a popular American pastor said that it is more important to believe in the resurrection than the virgin birth. But this is a false narrative because if the virgin birth did not occur, didn't occur, if Jesus was born as anyone else, just like any other human, if the virgin birth did not occur, did not occur, Jesus was born and conceived in sin just as any other human and therefore not an unblemished atonement for the remission of sin. Additionally, because the Bible says in unequivocal terms that Jesus was born of a virgin, we should believe it. Dr. King suggests that the word virgin is not found in the Hebrew original, but only in the Greek text, which is a mistranslation of the Hebrew word for young woman. He says this in his paper, uh, What Experiences of Christians, that I mentioned earlier. Dr. King says this, 
First, we must admit that the evidence for the tenability of this doctrine is too shallow to convince any objective thinker. (laughs) He continues, he says this, A more adequate explanation for the rise of this doctrine is found in the experience which the early Christians had with Jesus. The people saw within Jesus such a uniqueness of quality and spirit that to explain him in terms of an ordinary background was to them quite inadequate. For his early followers, this spiritual uniqueness could only be accounted for in terms of biological uniqueness. They were not unscientific in their approach because they had no knowledge of the scientific. They could only express themselves in terms of the pre-scientific thought patterns of of the day. Okay, so here is the problem again. He is diverting from the truth of Scripture, basing it on human knowledge, which you really can't do. The virgin birth was a miracle. You either accept it or you don't as such. No one has a baby as a virgin. That is not what happens except Mary did. It, it goes beyond science. Dr. King here is mentioning science, and they is saying that the people of that day didn't understand science, they didn't have that, so they made this stuff up. So he diverts horribly from the fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. Not only did early, early Christians testify to the truth of the virgin birth, believers throughout the, the centuries have held to this doctrine as necessary and inarguable. Most Christian scholars, in fact, do not question the legitimacy of the Greek translation of the word virgin. This is something that Dr. King brought out in his paper. But, uh, and there are some that would say that, but most, listen, not not just a few, most Christian uh, theologians would not dare deny the virgin birth. And so it's inaccurate and... uh, untrustworthy to say that this Greek word for virgin just means young woman. It does not mean virgin. If Dr. King did not believe in the virgin birth, as inferred in his writing, he did not trust a stalwart portion of the gospel. So Dr. King erred greatly in his theology regarding the virgin birth. Of all doctrines to question... (laughs) Martin Luther King perhaps questioned the one most central to the Christian faith, namely the resurrection of Jesus. MLK states this. He says, From a literary, historical, and philosophical point of view, this doctrine raises many questions. In fact, the external evidence for the authenticity of this doctrine is found wanting. What experiences of early Christians led to the formulation of the doctrine? He asked that question. What were the experiences that led to this doctrine? In other words, this is not his quote, but in other words, um, the resurrection of Jesus, the idea of it came from some sort of external experiences. It did not come from the fact that it really happened. King continues. He says this, the root of our inquiry is found in the fact that early Christians had lived with Jesus. They had not, or they had been captivated by the magnetic power of his personality. This basic experience led to the faith that he could never die. And so in the pre-scientific thought, there we go, science again, in the pre-scientific thought pattern of the first century, this inner faith took an outward form. End quote. So Dr. King 
is effectively saying that these ideas of the virgin birth, the resurrection, the authority of scripture, um, the sonship of Jesus, that these came from external experiences early Christians had. These were not truths. These were made up by people. King here, he only questions, uh, he not only questions the resurrection, but he effectively and blatantly denies its reality. This is not a questioning alone, but a blatant denial. So he even suggests that the resurrection is a mere theory which was born of and formed from experiences and thought. Never mind the fact that Jesus walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection and appeared to his disciples and to over 500 witnesses who saw him in the flesh after his death and resurrection and before his ascension. So Martin Luther King suggests that the resurrection is some sort of comfort mechanism for people who are easily swayed and weak of the mind. This is a tremendous fallacy by Dr. King, and it really can't be excused. So Martin Luther King was a flawed man, who, as all of us are, flawed men and women. But he did great work. But my suggestion is, according to what he said, he probably did not have a relationship with Christ, with God. And therefore, when he died... Unless there was a repentance, he did not go to heaven. He is not with Christ. And my hope and prayer is, uh, I really hope that he did make that change. Many of us, many people don't like to discuss the fallacies of MLK. He did tremendous work in the area of social, uh, social justice. But the gospel he taught, according to his own writings, is a false gospel. In fact, he seemingly equates Christianity and Jesus to any other form of what might be considered a noble religion or a religious leader. But scripture is clear that Jesus is the only way. He is not the same as any other religious religious leader, and Christianity is no man-made religion. And so if Martin Luther King continued to believe his own false suggestions— while no one knows the inner workings of his heart, it is right to question whether he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I do not deny the power of God to save someone on their deathbed, and I believe that in fact happens. I don't know what happened to Dr. King before he passed, but I do know what he taught and believed throughout his life based on his writings. So lest we deceive ourselves, Dr. King's gospel is not the truth uh, the true gospel. In fact, it is the opposite of the gospel. I would dare say you cannot be a Christian and disbelieve the resurrection, the virgin birth, or the sonship of Jesus, his status as the second person of the Godhead. We must believe these orthodox and foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. And according to what Dr. King wrote and taught, he did not. So hopefully this has been enlightening. So maybe some people didn't know this about Martin Luther King. He did tremendous social justice work, and we should celebrate that. But the gospel that he taught was wrong. He was wrong on the gospel. So... Let us take what Jesus said, what the Bible says, with faith and believe it. 
in our logical human mind, try to reason out the virgin birth. It's not going to happen. And he was trying, Dr. King was trying to reason the virgin birth. Well, it's not reasonable. That's why it's a miracle. You can't say the virgin birth doesn't make sense. And therefore it is not true because that's the point. It shouldn't make sense. It is a miracle. You can't say that the resurrection doesn't make sense. So I don't believe it. That's the point. The resurrection doesn't make sense. That's why we have faith and believe it. Not only that, but people saw Jesus Christ after he he rose from the dead. And so these things are very important to us as believers. I think we need to um, read other believers in church history, in American history, through the grid of the gospel. Understand what they believed. Martin Luther King taught a false gospel. Let us not be swayed by the intellect of Dr. King, who was a very intelligent man, but there are others like him who try to divert from uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So hopefully this has been helpful, been enlightening. Um, celebrate the work of Dr. King, but really realize that, that he taught a false gospel. Thanks for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it. Did it, did it.